You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day today. And happy Mother's Day to Bailey. Bailey is already mom to two kids, and she is expecting baby number three. So congratulations, Bailey. And I know you're probably a pro now that you've been through the whole pregnancy and birth thing twice. But of course, if there's anything that I can help with, please don't hesitate to ask. So happy Mother's Day to all you moms and moms-to-be out there. I want to thank Zoller for their support. Zoller makes an amazing prenatal vitamin. This is my number one recommendation because these really high quality ingredients like the active form of folate and omega-3s like DHA. To check out the vitamin and get a promo code to save 25%, go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. Last week, we talked about probiotics on the podcast and the importance of having a healthy gut during your pregnancy, and the role that probiotics can play during pregnancy, and even after birth in the postpartum period and when you're breastfeeding. This week, we are talking about lessons that I have learned breastfeeding baby number two. I have learned a lot, and a lot of things, unfortunately, I learned the hard way. I thought this would be a great opportunity to share some of those lessons with you and hopefully save you from some of the mistakes that I made and let you in on some of the changes that I've made with breastfeeding the second time around. There are a lot of breastfeeding episodes, and I'm going to link to all of them in the show notes so you can take a peek and catch up on some that you may have missed. And the show notes for this episode can be found at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 129. You know, the evidence and benefits of breastfeeding is overwhelming. And with that being said, I want you to know that I support you in however you choose to feed your baby. My goal is to arm you with the knowledge and the support that you need to be successful in breastfeeding for whatever period of time you decide to do that, that it works for you and your baby. And I also want you to know that breastfeeding is not an all or nothing thing. If you do introduce formula, you can still breastfeed your baby, even if every single meal isn't coming from you. And of course, you also have the option to just feed your baby formula. You have all the information that you need to make an informed decision on what's going to be best for you and your family. I mentioned recently on the podcast that I ended up with a breast abscess, which to be honest, really sucked. Abscesses are rare and Please, my goal here is not to freak you out about this, but I want to give you the lessons that I've learned through this whole experience so that you can avoid this. The short story on how this happened was that I got a plug duct, which means that milk wasn't being drained from a milk duct, and then the duct got infected. So I got mastitis, I was running a fever, my breast was red and swollen and painful, and then I didn't kick the infection and it turned into an abscess. So I made a lot of mistakes that led me down this path, and it was over the course of weeks that all of this happened. Mistake number one is I was antibiotic phobic. I really did not want to take antibiotics. So I went a few days with some homeopathic remedies. I was doing warm compresses and massage. I tried Chinese herbs. And after a couple days, my fever broke. And so the fever went away, and I thought, 
awesome, I'm in the clear, I beat mastitis without antibiotics, I'm fine. Mistake number two is that my plugged duct would just not go away, even after the fever was gone. And I did not know how big of a problem this was. I had been speaking to my midwife and a lactation consultant. I referenced my favorite breastfeeding book and reliable online resources. And like I said, I was doing all of this stuff, castor oil compresses. I was using heat and using cold and massage and dangle feeding. I could go on and on. And I kept doing all of these things, but the duct was still plugged. So the first good move that I actually made with this is that I got a second opinion. I finally spoke to another lactation consultant. And when I told her what was going on right away, she recommended that I go see a doctor. She really didn't like that the duct was still plugged after just a couple of days. And at this point, too, it had been longer than that. Huge thank you to Lori Eisenstadt of the All About Breastfeeding podcast for that advice. Mistake number three, although I took Lori's advice, which was a good move, the OBGYN that I wanted to see doesn't work on Fridays. And it was another three days before I could get an appointment. So in those three days, things did not improve. They just got worse. So I finally saw her on Monday, and she took one look at my breast and prescribed me an antibiotic. So all this time, I had been trying to avoid antibiotics just to finally end up on an antibiotic. And I did see improvement pretty quickly, within about a day. But it still wasn't resolving completely. Mistake number four is that four days later, after I'd been on the antibiotic for four days, I called my OB and said, this is not working. I don't think that it's continuing to get better. And that was based on just my experience of being uncomfortable and in pain. And I had this feeling in my gut that I just needed to be doing something else, that what I was doing was not totally working. My OBGYN told me that what I was experiencing was normal and to come in and see her when she was back in the office, which was not for another three days. So mistake number four is that I waited. I knew that it was not getting better, and I let another three days go by. By this time, I am weeks into this whole ordeal, and it had become an abscess. So when I did see my OB, she took one look at my breast and sent me to the hospital. So I ended up on IV antibiotics, and I had to have the abscess surgically drained, which is about as gross as it sounds and spent a total of three days and two nights in the hospital. So this whole story leads me to lesson number one. Lesson number one is do not wait to take care of a breastfeeding problem, whether that's a problem with your baby or a problem with your breast. Whether the issue is seemingly small, like a plug duct, or what I thought was a small problem, or if it's a major problem, like an abscess, you have to take care of it right away. So my waiting to see a doctor, trying to avoid antibiotics, the combination of everything that I did just made things worse. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that everyone that gets mastitis needs to be on antibiotics. But in my case, in hindsight, which of course is 2020, I think that it would have kicked this right away. So I was kind of bummed that I avoided antibiotics in my specific case. And I just didn't listen to my gut. I knew that my breast was not getting better, and yet I waited days to see someone about it, and I did that more than once. I should have been a lot more proactive. And speaking of being proactive, if I ever get a plugged duct again, I'm going to aggressively and immediately treat it before it can develop into something more serious. Lesson number two is that advocating for yourself can be harder than you think. 
The whole hospital experience was so valuable because it really reminded me of how much of a challenge it can be not only to navigate in the hospital system, but also to advocate for yourself and to get people on your team who will advocate for you. So let me give you some examples. One is I requested a hospital grade pump. This is something that was not offered, even though the hospital staff knew that I was pumping. It was something that I had to ask for multiple times for them to bring it to me. And that made pumping a lot more efficient. So that made a big difference for me because I was pumping every few hours. My OBGYN was an awesome advocate for me, and she got the hospital to move me to the postpartum floor, even though I had technically given birth months before. This allowed me to bring my daughter in so that I could be with her and breastfeed her. When you're breastfeeding, it's rough being separated from your baby for an extended period, so that made a huge difference. Plus, I was concerned about my supply, and it was important to me that I could continue breastfeeding through all of this. So my OBGYN is a fireball and she has no problem speaking up. And I was so thankful that she was there to speak up for me. And another instance in which she was a lifesaver is that she even came back to the hospital a second time and advocated for them to let me go home. They wanted to keep me there until they rolled out MRSA, which is a nasty antibiotic resistant bacteria. And she was a big reason that they were comfortable with me going home sooner. So I had been talking to nurses and doctors about going home, but I was really having a tough time getting anywhere with that to the point that I felt like if I wanted to leave, I was just going to have to do it against medical advice. So thankfully, it didn't come to that. And after my doctor talked to some of the staff and the other doctors in the hospital, then I went home with a treatment plan and not against medical advice. Okay, so that's the whole abscess doozy of a story and the lessons that I learned from that. And the two big lessons that I learned from that experience. Lesson number three that I've learned breastfeeding the second time around is that you don't need an app to keep track of nursing. I recently saw a meme from a breastfeeding Facebook community that I'm in that said, you don't need to count how many times you feed your baby every day any more than you need to count how many times you kiss your baby. I love this and it resonated with me so much. And speaking of that support group, it's awesome and it's free to join on Facebook. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it's great not just for the memes, which are pretty entertaining, but there's also a ton of useful information in there. And it's really nice to hear from other breastfeeding mothers. When I breastfed my son, who was my firstborn, I used an app to track every single time that I fed him on what side and for how long. And I would panic if I sat down to feed him and didn't have my phone right next to me because, oh my gosh, what would happen if I didn't track it? And how would I know which side to feed him on first? I drove myself crazy doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks, mostly because it made me focus on exactly how much time I was spending breastfeeding. And some days, this was a big number, and it just really gave me something to complain about because when I said, oh, I've been breastfeeding, I breastfed for six hours today. That was not an exaggeration because I had the data in this app to back it up. So the second time around with my daughter, I'm not using an app. And you know what? I'm really enjoying breastfeeding a lot more, and I am not driving myself crazy. Your baby is going to eat when they're hungry, and it really doesn't matter which side you feed them on first. And if you need to feed them on one side over the other, your breasts are going to tell you that. 
Breastfeeding has been a much better experience and way more relaxing without an app. There are four more lessons that I want to share with you, but really quick before we do that, I want to thank the sponsor of today's episode. Zoller makes my favorite prenatal vitamin, and this is my favorite for so many reasons. Zoller is a brand that I know, like, and trust. They make really high quality products. I have done so much research on the ingredients that go into a prenatal multivitamin. I've done episodes on things like vitamin D and folate versus folic acid and omega-3s and DHA. And I've really done my homework to make sure that I am recommending a really high quality prenatal vitamin to you. And I walk the walk on this. This is the prenatal vitamin that I am taking every day, even now after I've had my second baby and I'm still breastfeeding. I'm such a huge fan of this vitamin. You can check it out at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. And on that page, you can also get a promo code to save 25% off when you buy it on Amazon. Let's get back to the last four lessons that I've learned breastfeeding the second time around. Lesson number four, there's a serious lack of support and knowledge for exclusive breastfeeding. I mentioned at the start of this episode that I support you in however you feed your baby, but I do want you to know that if you do choose to exclusively breastfeed, I want to give you a heads up that there's a serious lack of support for exclusive breastfeeding. And at least this has been my experience. Fingers crossed. Hopefully you don't have the same experience. And the lack of support is something that I have found in a lot of unexpected places, like my pediatrician's office. My pediatrician suggested that we give our baby a bottle every day just to keep her in the practice of drinking from a bottle. This one really bugged me. I actually almost changed my pediatrician over it. Even thinking about this, it still really just gets so under my skin. First, this just is not true. If your baby does not get a bottle every day, they're not going to forget how to take a bottle. Secondly, if your baby is getting a bottle, you should be pumping. Otherwise, you're telling your body that your baby doesn't need to be fed this meal when your baby is actually having a meal. So the end result is that this can decrease your supply, which could mean that you need to supplement with formula, which is fine if that's your goal, but it's an issue if you're trying to avoid it and your goal is to exclusively breastfeed. The second way that I find so much of a lack of support for this, or maybe it's just that people don't understand how exclusive breastfeeding works, Everyone asks if your baby is sleeping through the night. No, no, my baby is not sleeping through the night, which is completely normal for a new baby, especially for a breastfed baby. Breast milk is designed exactly for your baby, so it's really easy for them to digest, much easier than formula, which means your baby is hungry sooner. That could be considered a downside to breastfeeding. You may need to wake up more times throughout the night to feed your baby than if they were receiving formula. If you are exclusively breastfeeding, your sleep suffers. And if one more person tells me that they have this great new parenting sleep hack that involves my partner taking care of a night feeding, I'm gonna lose it. If that was an option, yes, that would be great. But the amount of extra effort for my partner to get up, to warm up a bottle, to feed the baby, plus I'm exclusively breastfeeding, which means that milk has to come from me. And if it's not coming from me when my baby is drinking it, then at another time during the day, I'm going to have to pump. 
It's just more convenient for me to take care of feeding my baby at night, even if that means that I get less sleep. My sleep hack is that I go to bed super early. So even if I'm waking up multiple times, theoretically, I'm still getting in a decent amount of sleep. So you can see that this lack of support can be really frustrating. But thankfully, I do have a support network that includes my husband, my midwife, my OBGYN, and a handful of friends. Plus, there are always breastfeeding support groups that you can attend, which are lovely for support and to really connect with some other breastfeeding moms. So that's lesson number four, especially if you find a lack of support, then you need to create your own support system. Lesson number five, if there's a name for it, you can probably fix it. Let me explain this one. I have an issue with oversupply, which if I have to have a problem with breastfeeding, I feel like this isn't the worst one to have. Although this did contribute to plug ducts and the whole mastitis hospitalization hoopla. I just assumed that having an oversupply was something that I had to deal with. And it was in a conversation with Lori Eisenstadt, who is an international board certified lactation consultant, that I learned that this was a problem I could fix. So in her words, if there's a name for it, you can probably fix it. So keep that in mind. If you're having any kind of issue with breastfeeding, one, there's probably a name for it. And two, you can probably fix it. So don't just assume that something that's a problem is just something that you're going to have to deal with. It may just be a matter of finding the right information or talking to the right lactation consultant. Lesson number six is to not focus on filling my freezer and to keep an eye on dates so milk doesn't go bad. The first time around breastfeeding, I was so obsessed with building a freezer stash of milk. And I did. That part was successful. But I am totally ashamed to say that a lot of that went to waste. This time around, one, I am not obsessed with pumping and freezing as much milk as possible, which has made things in general just a lot more relaxing. I do have a small freezer stash, which is awesome if I need to be out for a few hours whether that is for work or for drinks with friends. Having a stash of milk was a lifesaver when I was admitted to the hospital. It was such a relief to know that my baby was taken care of when I was not there to feed her. And if I didn't have that stash, we would have had to supplement with formula, which wouldn't have been a bad thing. It just wasn't my preference at the time. So this time around, I'm not focused on pumping and freezing as much milk as I can. And I'm keeping a close eye on the dates on my milk to make sure that if I have milk that I am not going to be able to use, that I reach out to some resources like my midwife or local doulas and find a mom who could use the milk. Because if my baby can't benefit from it and another baby can, that would be awesome. Lesson number seven and the last lesson in today's episode. I definitely do not know everything about breastfeeding and I still need access to good resources. The first resource that I turn to is the book, The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. You've probably heard me talk about this on the show before. This is a thick book with a lot of information, and I refer back to it frequently, even the second time around. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. The other resource that I use regularly for troubleshooting problems, like when I was dealing with mastitis, is the Kelly Mom website. You can search anything related to breastfeeding and find reliable information on their website. 
And in fact, many doctors and midwives will direct you here for breastfeeding information. One other resource that I have to mention is Lori Eisenstadt, who I mentioned several times in this episode. She is an international board certified lactation consultant, and she is so knowledgeable and amazing. And if you're looking for a lactation consultant, I highly recommend her. And she does Skype consults. So no matter where you live, geography is not an issue. She also has a breastfeeding podcast called All About Breastfeeding. And I will link to that and her website in the show notes. To recap today's episode, we went through seven big lessons that I learned breastfeeding the second time around. Some lessons that I learned the hard way and some things that I am doing different with baby number two. I want to thank you for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I hope you find this episode helpful in your breastfeeding journey. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 129.